0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about another book that I will, I think, recommend to you. This is kind of one of the ones I'll just tell you ahead of time. I'm kind of sitting on the fence on this one, but I will explain why. We are going to talk about today a book called The Art of Trauma Relief by Kathleen Wright. So, I started reading this a while ago and I just recently picked it back up. Because when I say I'm on the fence about this book, it isn't because I don't think it's a good book. I actually think there are a lot of wonderful things in here. I think the reason I'm on the fence is that the things that she has in here weren't exactly what I was hoping for. So she starts out the book and she's talking about how she had had PTSD. And she kind of references how it affected her relationships. So after it kind of damaged one of her relationships with a person who was really trying hard to be there for her. She decided she needed to really jump in and take care of her PTSD. Now this isn't one on parenting PTSD, but whenever I learn about it, I take it in mind for myself, but mostly for my child. Because one of the reasons my child has reactive attachment disorder is because, in a way, that's a very traumatic situation and they end up getting stuck in their fight or flight response. So, anything I can learn about PTSD, I think it's going to be beneficial for her and beneficial for me because it's beneficial for her, but also just because when you raise a child who puts you into a place of constant fight or flight, it can be really good for you too. (laughs) So I think what I was hoping for when I went to this book is more of uh, a way to process the information as opposed to, oh, I don't know, some of these steps. So one of the things she's really into is like tapping if you guys don't know what tapping is, it's kind of like a holistic way to center yourself. You open up your chi and you um, make your mind not focus on something else, but focus on the tapping, which then allows the clogged areas of your brain to open up. Those kinds of things. And I don't think those things are necessarily bad, but when I am feeling desperate, personally, I find it really hard to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so desperate. I should, I should tap my chest. (laughs) I should, I should tap my, my collarbones. And I don't even think that that's a bad thing. I think, you know, especially when you're desperate, you should try these things. Like, go ahead. But I, I think I'm just disappointed because I've already been desperate enough to try these things and I don't think they were as helpful for me. But I will take you back to the beginning of the book because at the beginning of the book, I think she has the key and she says, I'm going to jump in. I need to be all in on doing this. And I think that is the biggest key. Now, if you have a child who has a CPTSD or a PTSD situation, you want that to happen for them. You want to go up to that kid and say, here, try this tapping technique and look, you will feel so much better or do a little journaling, do some meditation, you know, do these things. But the truth is nothing, none of this is going to help until their mindset changes Now, before I get into more of the book, I can tell you what I did to help my daughter's mindset change. And it's kind of a common theme throughout all of these, is I had to tell her why healing would benefit her. So I would say to her, I know that you have a lot of these feelings. I know these feelings make you feel safe. But if you are still acting like this as a grown up, you're going to be keeping yourself from being successful in other things. And I'd say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it would change every single time because she's got ADHD and she's crazy. (laughs) We use that term as a term of love at our house. So crazy is a term of love, but she would, she, you know, one day wants to be a doctor and another day she wants to be an astronaut and another day she wants to figure out her own company where you just climb trees all day. You know those kind of things. So if she wants to be anything and I say, "Well, if you act like this, you'll get fired." Realistically, she's probably not going to get fired from her tree climbing business. <laughs> if she's if she's throwing fits, they'll probably just trap her up there. But you know, you have to have the buy-in of the individual in order to save them. Now, I really like what Kathleen Wright explains at the beginning, because she kind of explains how she'd hit rock bottom. She thought she was doing all the right stuff by, you know, going through it and having somebody stable in her life. But what she found out is that it was her who needed to change. So she goes through and I don't, I don't not recommend this book. But I am going to kind of give you an example of some of the things that she recommends. So if you go to a place, she has these seven powerful visualization exercises that she does. And one is to visualize a safe space. Now, this is triggering for me because when traumatic things happen to you, sometimes in the moment you go to a safe place. So sometimes your safe place in your brain reminds you of those terrible things. But let's pretend that's not a thing. And you know what, pick a different safe space. But she talks about visualizing your safe place. Now I'm going to explain to you why I think me just being a mom, why I think this works is because if you can make your mind focus somewhere else, and when you are focusing on that spot, your other parts of your brain get to stop working overtime. And they say that all you need is two minutes, two minutes of not being stressed to have your body start turning off all those stress, stressing situations and coping and overcompensating things. So I think this is not a bad thing. I think if you're stressed out as a parent, it's a good thing. How do you get this to be a place for your child? I recommend a safe place or even actually have a physical safe place for your child. I went through a house the other day and they had some connectors into the ceiling and they had one of those hanging bags where you put like children with autism or sensory issues can go in that's a great safe place. If you're, if the people around them are not hassling them, they can go in that safe place. They can turn off all of that stuff for a while. They can physically go there or you can visualize going there and you can help walk them through how to do this. She also has a mind palace option where it's essentially the same thing. It's a place in your mind where you are you can do things. <laughs> I am not lo- logged into this. I, I don't. Uh, this is not for me. But it's essentially like playing sim in your mind where you can just have this pretend world that you go into. To me, this seems incredibly unhealthy, but maybe it will be good for someone. And of course, it's, I guess worth a shot. So then she talks about cartoon heart. So imagine, this is a quote, I imagine you are a cartoon character with their heart beating out of their chest. To do this, visualize imagining your heart beating three feet out of your chest. When your heart is furthest from your chest, imagine putting it in both hands and gently pulling it back into your body until it slows to resume to a natural heartbeat. End quote. So this is, she says this is for when you're feeling incredibly anxious. Um, She's got a couple more of these. I'm just going to tell you the names of them because one is called paint can. When you can't stop thinking of a distressing image or memory, visualize it on top of a paint in a paint can and then visualize you're stirring it into the paint cartoon voice. She says when having a negative thought or negative internal dialogue, imagine the a cartoon character with the distinct funny voice and make them have the thoughts in funny voices. Number six refers to the boggarts from Harry Potter, how you take your fears and you turn them into something silly. And number seven is reverse swirls. So when feeling negative emotions, you visualize the feelings and energy. Is the energy clockwise or counterclockwise and then envision it changing direction? So this is not my kind of information. She talks about meditation. She goes on to talk about breathing, which I am a actual big fan of breathing because when you when you get tense, you tend to have shallow breaths and shallow breaths trigger your brain to to think you're in a place where it's potential danger. And so it kind of keeps you either on the edge of fight or flight or in fight or flight. So I do believe the physiological benefits of these exercises, including breathing and meditation are real. I think they're real. In chapter 11, she talks about grounding um, this is very popularly referred to as when you take off your shoes and you stand out on the actual earth. Uh, you guys. I think these things are fine. I think these things are great. She talks about yoga, she talks about hobbies where you you know have to pay extra attention, like painting or playing an instrument she talks about these things to help ground you. She talks about progressive muscle relaxation where you focus on your body. If you need to tighten every muscle and then release every muscle, she talks about journaling, which I, I actually think journaling is good too. I journal. I, th- I think that there's benefit to it, but one of that is because I hold a lot of things inside my body. And when I journal, I can get them out. So that works for me. So I, but I can see why people are like, why? <laughs> but ironically, that is one of the questions she tells you to ask yourself while journaling. She says, keep asking why. Be honest with yourself. If you lie in your own journal, you're <laughs> you're only hurting yourself because you're going to go back and reference it. She talks about making it a routine. She talks about no time restrictions. So if you want to do two minutes, you want to do an hour, you just go right ahead and then doing it. But she also gives a good piece of advice here in number six, where she says, stop if you're too stressed. Stop. And I think great. And she goes through, talks about the different types of journaling. I like to just talk about, you know, my day because that's how it works for me. That's her first option. She talks about gratitude journals, affirmation journals, goals journaling, self analysis journaling, free journaling. Whatever works for you, that's great. If one of those works for you, of course, do it. But don't be sad if some of these things don't work because. Here we are on chapter 14. And if you do absolutely every one of these things that she recommends, you probably don't have any more time left in your day. But they're not bad ideas. She continues on. But my favorite piece of information that she gives the one chapter that I am all about and she doesn't have bad ideas. I mean, she talks about sleep maximization and optimization. She's got some good stuff in here. But the thing that I like the most is chapter 18. And in chapter 18, she talks about your personalized trigger prevention plan. This, I think, is critical to anybody who wants to get over their PTSD. This is something that I think is beneficial to teach your children. I think this is something beneficial to work through yourself Because when you can see that your behaviors are starting to change and you kind of can connect it back to a situation, then you can say, oh, I'm acting this way because of that instead of life is just this way. Because one of the things I noticed with my reactive attachment child is she's untethered there's no home base, there's no place she goes to. She was just completely untethered. So to be able to bring her into an awareness of what might be making her feel this way, gave her tethers, gave her things that kept her, you know, from flying off the handle. And when you're the parent, you end up trying to get them to tether to you as their home base, because that's a really critical thing. For example, when she would get hurt when she was young, she didn't run to me. She would just run around in circles where most kids, you know, would come back. So to be able to identify your triggers and be able to connect it to your actions, I think really helps with the processing of those actions. She has this five-step personalized trigger prevention plan. And number one is identify your triggers Number two is ask, when does it happen? She refers to this sort of situationally where, you know, if you're around family or if you're out in public or if you're at school or things like that, or if there's a loud noise, kind of recognizing those things that make you uncomfortable and then kind of start your spiral downward. If I were to assign it to myself, I would say it's when my child starts behaving badly. When my child starts behaving badly, back into her older behaviors, that's when I start to spiral. But because I'm aware of this, I can kind of talk myself out of it a bit. Or I can say, you know, she's come out of this, you know that there's a potential for her to come out of this, and I can talk myself through it. And she can too. She's quite young. So I believe anybody is capable of doing this. Number three, you ask yourself, how does the trigger make me feel? And number four, you pick what recovery tool you're going to use. So for me, oh, actually, I'm going to skip to number five because it says determine your action plan. I think this is the best piece of information in this entire book. When you get to the point where you're starting to untether or when your child is starting to untether, having that action plan in place knowing it from when you are in your calm moments and being able to reference back to it when you're in your uncalm moments i think are absolutely critical to getting over your ptsd so when my child starts spiraling i say to her uh-oh i think you're slipping back into your old behaviors uh-oh i think you're you're getting into a mood cuz that's what we call it at our house i think you're slipping into a mood And she'll be like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yes, of course you are. (laughs) Look, Look at these behaviors. And then in some ways, she is getting really good at recognizing, oh yeah, oh yeah, I see that. So we have moments where I can't catch her, but we have way more moments where I can show her that that's what's happening and she can reframe her situation just from there. And one of our action plans is truly just bringing it up, referencing what maybe made her feel this way. And then sometimes I affirm her in those things that usually make her uncomfortable. A lot of those are relationship-based and fear of abandonment. So I'll say something like, "Hey, we've done this a million times. You know, you you've done something stupid and and we make it through." Cuz I'm trying to be overly broad there. So say she did something stupid at school. She's starting to spiral. So we say, "Hey, you've done stuff stupid before. You've done you've been kicked out of schools before and we make it through and it's going to be okay. We're going to make it." And to just sort of remind her, hey, we've already done this. We know how to get through this. It's going to be okay, I think is one of the best things that's worked for us. Now, she also recommends to write, and when I say she, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Kathleen Wright, the author of The Art of Trauma Relief. But she talks about writing it down, writing it down on paper. And she has this little graph where she kind of has you go through it. But I think that that's really important, especially for people who are visually like more of a visual learner to say, oh yeah, I did do this. Look how solid this evidence is that I did say that I know I've done this before and this is my new plan of action. And you're not going to catch every single time, but I think the more times you catch, the more your catching muscles will strengthen and you'll find yourself and your child may find themselves in a better place. I also love that she talks about how this took her two years. She was all in. She was reading everything. She was doing everything. She was doing everything she could. And it still took her two years. Now, I don't recall, and I kind of don't think she tells us what gave her PTSD. I don't know what it was. But I know it was big enough that she would wake up and scream and have night terrors and things like that. It was a big trauma for her. So even when you are putting all of yourself in this is going to take time. And I've seen that in our own situation in our house. It's you you're not going to instantaneously heal. It would be cool, but you're not going to. And she refers how she goes into drugs and alcohol to kind of mask her pain. But one of the most influential parts of this book is when she said she's laying on her kitchen floor, her boyfriend has just left, she's ended the relationship or he did and she's in like the worst rock bottom place. And she says, surely facing my demons can't be worse than this. And I think it's not. We beat ourselves up when the reality is less painful than the years of beating ourselves up. That my daughter, one of the ways we processed her trauma, which was abandonment and her reactive attachment disorder and her, her instantly trying to make everyone hate her before she hated herself, was to teach her about what was happening, what her diagnosis is, and to say, give her the information, not to say, but to give her the information so that she could process her way through it. Something happened to her and that thing that happened to her was not fair, but it happened. It it has in a way finished. The bad parts of it is finished. I mean, she's not with her biological parents, so I know part of that still affects her. But allowing her to be able to wrap her head around what happened and then allowing her to see the steps that she's taken to still have a really good life. I really wish that all of us could understand the terrible things that have happened to so many people on this planet. Right now, there is a lot of stuff in the news that's just absolutely horrible. And knowing that people are existing and life can have terrible moments, just remember that this is what we're capable of. This is what our bodies are physically able to deal with. We're able to get through these difficult things. It's what we were made for. Our bones were structurally made to hold us up. Our muscles were structurally made to propel us forward. And our brains were structurally made to be able to adapt to our situation. And what We have more in us to adapt than I think that we realize, especially because when we're in that pain and we're in that heavy, we want somebody else to save us. But nobody else can save us from this. Because even if you go to therapy and even if you turn to those other things, any actual change is something that is going to happen slowly over time and in your own self. And I think you can do it. And I think your kids can do it. And even if it takes a long time, that time is going to pass anyway. We might as well have made some progress by the end. Thank you for joining us today. I am trying to decide if I recommend this book. (laughs) Sure, I recommend this book. Go ahead and read through for yourself The Art of Trauma Relief by Kathleen Wright. And I think, I think there's enough good in there. And I don't think the stuff that I was disappointed in is bad stuff. So, so hey, give it a try. If it helps you out, then it was definitely worth it. Thanks so much for joining me today.